0: If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now, put the foundations under them. That was Henry David Thoreau in Walden, and I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you are tuned into Solutions Watch, that B program where week after week we look at ways that you can improve your life and change the world for the better. And you will recall Back in my recent podcast episode on opting out of CBDCs, where I flashed back to that Solutions Survival Currency podcast, the presentation that I gave to the Greater Reset Conference a couple of years ago, where I was making a couple of points. One of which, I think very much in line with what Thoreau is saying in that opening uh, quotation for today, is... That yes, we, of course, it's wonderful to create and construct these wonderful models of this perfect alternative monetary system that could function this way and that way, and it's foolproof, and it'll, it'll be beautiful and uh, wonderful just as long as everyone adopts it. Well, that's great. Construct those castles in the air. That's where they're meant to be but now put the foundations under it. And I was gesturing towards that in that clip that I played by making the cart and the horse analogy. People are always putting the cart of monetary reform and, oh, this, everyone should use this. This is a great system. I've constructed this wonderful, elaborate trading system. But the horse of community, people who are actually together and willing to work with you on a project like that, well, that doesn't, uh, we'll worry about that later. No, 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 no. Put the horse before the cart. Community has to drive any sort of communal project like that, like a alternative monetary system or so many of the other things that we're talking about here week after week after week on Solutions Watch. Community is a fundamental part of any actual thoroughgoing challenge to the status quo, something that will not be, I think, new news to my listeners if for no other reason than I have talked about it at length before. For example, I will direct your attention back to episode 146 of the Corporate Report podcast, Lessons in Resistance Building Communities, where a decade ago I was talking about this concept. I was talking to people like Dan Fox of Urban Garden Magazine and Douglas Lane of the Diet Soap podcast, and having that deep exploration of this subject of building community, why it is important to come together to build a community, and You will also remember interview 1011 from back in the archives of 2015, where I talked to Thomas Friedman, about the Ozarks Neighborly Exchange, the O-N-E network, which was coming together at that time, or had been functioning for some time, but was really starting to do some impressive work as a small community organization, people coming together, realizing that they needed to support each other and making that happen. And Thomas Friedman, at the time that I talked to him in 2015, was a a big part of what was going on there. And so we had a, a very interesting conversation about this idea of building a community organization, how it is done, how it can work, and what kinds of problems arise. Um, A a very interesting conversation. I will, of course, put this link in the show notes for today's episode at uh, CorbettReport.com slash SolutionsWatch-Community, and you can listen to that entire exchange. But let's just listen to a little bit of that, where I'm asking Thomas Friedman about the Ozarks Neighborly Exchange. Well, let's talk a little bit about the philosophy that underlies a group like this. And in the About section of uh, Ozark's Neighborly Exchange, there's a post on why become a one member. And it says, no matter where you are in the world, there are certain values and basic human needs that we all share. Food, shelter, water, camaraderie and love are some of those things. When we get to know our neighbors on a personal level, we begin to care for one another and we can help each other not only survive, but thrive in life. As a member of Ozark's Neighborly Exchange, you become part of a tight community, part of a tribe of people who care for one another and thrive together. And then it talks about some of the uh, the various activities that the uh, one group engages in. Tell us from your own perspective, in your own words, about this, this idea that underlies this type of community organization and why other people should start something similar in their own communities.
1: Well, in a single word, it's community. I mean, it's really that simple. And in today's world, in the city, where, where I've lived in the country here for eight or nine years, but before I moved here, I lived in the city. And, uh, you know, you, you rare, even, even though you're Live next door in a condo or whatever. Oftentimes, you don't know your neighbors. So you live in such a, uh, a hectic world, a lifestyle. One neighbor might work the second shift; he work the first, and you just never see him. It's just a. It's just common in our in our modern world that we don't actually reach out and have that that community spirit anymore. And uh, we're in a small community here, and uh, it's contr. The, our, our the spirit of one is contrary to that city life. It's it's very much people helping people. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's our byline is neighbors helping neighbors.
0: One of the aspects of this that I'm sure a lot of Corbett report listeners will be interested in is, of course, uh, sharing information with other people, which can be an extremely difficult thing to do when you're talking to people about 9-11 or these big events and issues that are obviously quite controversial, but may in fact be easier to broach in the spirit of community where people come together like this. What's your own experience with talking about information and, and sharing information through a community exchange like this?
1: It's a mixture because of the diversity of the group. There's some people that are more aware than others, and so uh, you know there are there are a few members of the group that I'm, I'm uh, friends with that, that know what's going on in the world more than others, and some people don't really care. They they just want to live their, their small little life or their their life here in this community. Um, so it, it's it's there's it's a it's a mixed bag. I guess you could you could put it that way.
0: Well, I would think that in fact, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing or a detriment to the group. I think it's actually a testament to the fact that yes, as human beings who care about one another, we can come together even if we do disagree on certain Absolutely. issues. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: That was Thomas Friedman speaking about the Ozarks neighborly exchange back in 2015. Once again, the link to the full interview is in the show notes and I suggest you check it out. Um, uh, Having said that, I note that the Ozarks Neighborly Exchange website does not seem to be accessible, at least for me here today, but their Facebook page is still operational, still posting. The group is still doing activities. I don't know about Thomas Friedman's status with the group. Thomas, if you're still out there in the listening audience, I'd love to hear an update. But at any rate, the group is still out there and still functioning. Um, Good to know. And... Regardless, I hope that you could take out some of the key details from a conversation like that one, not about Ozark's neighborly exchange in particular, but about the idea of coming together to form a community organization, which is not something, well, I mean, you can do it lightly, but if you do it lightly, expect it to fall apart very quickly because it is an enormous and extremely uh, detailed thing to to come up with a community organization, let alone an actual community of like-minded people working towards similar goals and a similar vision, but not necessarily agreeing on every point and and every point of doctrine. And that, I think, is an important point that I hope, again, you picked up from that conversation. Yes, there, there may be people in your group who disagree, sometimes very, very adamantly disagree on... The shape of the Earth, <laughs> or other points, uh, but can still work together in community because they know that it is important for them to come together and support each other. Because the enemies, the powers that shouldn't be, certainly aren't on your side. So the point is to come together. Because, of course, as Thomas noted, there. What is the why? Why should you have community? for community. (laughs) And if you don't understand that point, then I suppose perhaps this edition of Solutions Watch is not for you. But I I suspect that a large number of people in the audience resonate with what Thomas was talking about there, the the urban jungle that most people live in these days, where, yes, you're surrounded by people every day, most of whom are total and complete strangers, even your next-door neighbors or the people in the apartment next door to you. I don't know. I don't want to know. We're all divided and kept apart as much as possible by the powers that shouldn't be. This is part of the tactic, the uh, the moving people out of the rural agrarian villages where people certainly did have to, by necessity, live in, uh, in community and transplanting them to the cities where they become just nameless, faceless strangers who pass by each other every day without saying a word. And I think that has been done on purpose. And essentially what we have, to put it in Baudrillardian terms, is we have the simulacrum of community now. Yeah, there's a community. I live with people and sometimes there, I might go to an event or an organization, I might see people. But it's not community. People, to use the James Evan Pilato phrase, they've taken the real and they sell you back the fake. And that is essentially what has happened to this entire idea of community. So... Again, I'm sure I'm either preaching to the choir of people who already feel this, or I'm preaching to people who don't really care and this isn't important to them. If you're in the latter category, you can safely move on to another podcast. But right now, for people who are interested in finding, in creating that sort of community, awesome, great, castles in the air, that's where they belong, yay, that's what we're working towards, now let's put the foundations under it. And... No one said that was going to be easy. In fact, I'm going to explicitly say that is not going to be easy. And nine times out of 10, people who come together with grand visions for constructing their community are going to fail. And I say that advisedly, because uh, let's take it from a very important and very hefty tome uh, on the subject of how to create community. I just, this isn't the actual book in question, but if it was a physical edition, it would be something like this book. It is called Creating a Life Together, Practical Tools to Grow Eco-Villages and Intentional Communities by Diana Leaf Christian. And uh, that is uh, that book is 100% freely available on archive.org. So, uh, of course, the link will be in the show notes for you to go check it out for yourself. And if you are interested in this subject, I highly recommend you do check it out. Caveat, I haven't read the entire book cover to cover. I have skimmed through. I do know what it talks about, but it's less of a page turning story or narrative. It's more like a manual on how to set up a community and it is thorough. But just reading a little bit from the introduction um, where she starts by talking about a, a idea for a community that didn't work out. And she goes on to talk about the successful 10%. Most aspiring eco villages and community groups, probably 90%, never get off the ground. Their envisioned communities never get built they can't find the right land, don't have enough money, or get mired in conflict, often they simply don't understand how much time, money, and organizational skill they'll need to pull off a project of this scope. And if you go on reading, you can find out more about that. But then she goes on to outline the different types of communities, what an intentional community is, and the different types that exist. So, Under the heading What Are Intentional Communities and Eco-Villages, she writes, A residential or land-based intentional community is a group of people who have chosen to live with or near enough to each other to carry out their shared lifestyle or common purpose together. Families living in a co-housing community in the city, students living in student housing cooperatives near universities, and sustainability advocates living in rural back-to-the-land homesteads are all members of intentional communities. Whether they know it or not, I would parenthetically add. Um, So she talks about some of the different types, for example, eco-villages. What are eco-villages? Eco-villages are intentional communities that aspire to create a more humane and sustainable way of life. One widely quoted definition by Robert and Diane Gilman defines eco-villages as human-scale, full-featured settlements in which human activities are harmlessly integrated into the natural world in a way that is supportive of healthy human development and which can be successfully continued into the indefinite future." And then uh, there's other examples of different types of communities. For example, co-housing communities. Co-housing is another increasingly popular form of contemporary intentional community. Co-housing communities are small neighborhoods of usually 10 to 40 households, which are managed by the residents themselves and which have usually been developed and designed by them as well. Although increasingly, co-housers partner with outside developers. Co-housers own their own relatively small housing units and share ownership of the whole property and their large community building with kitchen, dining room, meeting space, and usually a children's play area, laundry facilities, and guest rooms. Co-housing residents conduct their community business through consensus-based meetings and enjoy optional shared meals together three or four nights a week. Again, there are many, many different types of intentional communities that come together for many different purposes and many different visions and that is a large part of this book it is a, a really a step by step manual to how to actually bring this castle in the air into reality by building out the foundation and step by step what needs to be done to do that because it's great to have the pie in the sky idea we're going to create a community How do you go about doing that? It's actually, it's an incredible amount of work. It is something that uh, in order to be successful has to be taken seriously and has to be done in a thoroughgoing manner, but it can be done and it has been done in the past. And there are examples, again, in this book of that process. So just to give you an idea of the sort of the range of things that are covered in this book, on page 21, there is a table to the community growing process, which goes through all of the different steps and things that are covered in the book, and things that you have to consider when starting a community. Uh, of course, organizing your group, creating your vision documents, researching the real estate market in your desired area, researching zoning issues in your desired area, learning your financing options, developing or renovating your property as needed, researching communities, decision making methods, and dis- choosing and learning how to use decision-making methods, choosing a location, conducting your property search, financing and buying your property, organizing your internal community finances. So there is also, um, as mentioned there, creating community agreements and documents and choosing new people to join you and, and how does membership work and what are the rules for joining and leaving a community and all of these things that really do need to be spelled out in some detail, if you don't want to get burned. And there are very many examples of that uh, in this book of people who didn't have proper agreements in place and ended up getting burned by people who left their community. So uh, there's a lot to think about. And as I say, this, this, book has a lot of very detailed information about financing, about how to set up a, a you want a nonprofit organization or some sort of land trust, what are the different legal implications of these different structures that can be set up and how can it be done? It's a lot of work and it probably takes years of effort and planning to bring an intentional community into existence that's going to likely th- survive and thrive. But as I say, it has been done in the past, it is being done Right now, and once again, I am speaking uh, advisedly on that point because people might know people might, who follow the work of Derek Bros at theconsciousresistance.com uh, and who, for example, read the manifesto of the Free Humans or read his blog posts over the years will know that for years Derek Bros has been talking about creating an intentional community. Uh, that was part of his move to Mexico a few years ago, and uh, that whole idea of the, uh, the Agora underground and all of that. Well, it's always been a part of that plan to create an intentional community. And as people who know Derek Bros by now, and you should know him because he's probably the most common <laughs> featured guest on Solutions Watch, because he is not someone who just spouts hot air. He is someone who is out there making things happen. And hey, here's an intentional community that is in the process of coming together, that he is creating. It is called The Conscious Agora, Eco Village, and you can find information about it at theconsciousagora.com, link in the show notes, of course, where you will be able to find a little explainer video, a few minute introduction to the idea, where Derek Bros, his partner Miriam Go- Gomez, uh, Jess, Ethan, a uh, couple of the other members involved in this eco village. Uh, talk about the project, show you the land that they're looking at, show you what's involved in this. But just reading from the preamble on the webpage, the Conscious Agora Eco-Village and Holistic Education Center is an off-grid, self-sustaining eco-village focused on individual liberty, community, permaculture, and mindfulness, located in Mexico. The first Conscious Agora is being created by a dedicated diverse group of changemakers from the US, Mexico, and Canada. Our mission is to advance individual, collective, and universal healing and liberation through our personal lifestyles, while supporting others in doing the same by offering permaculture courses, spiritual retreats, activist training, and musical gatherings presented by some of the most innovative minds in their fields. We are designing not only our own village, but also a well-researched replicable template for other dreamers and doers to use as a model. Our intention is for the conscious agora to be part of an extensive network of interconnected communities that foster a new paradigm for Earth and all its inhabitants. Awesome. Great. There's the castle in the air. There's a vision statement. You, you might agree with that vision and want to be part of that. You might not. That's not the point. The point is there is a vision statement, so people who are thinking about this eco-village idea at least know what is being aimed at, but now put the foundations under it. And that, again, is what Derek and Miriam and Jess and Ethan and the others are in the process of doing right now, uh, securing the land that they will be using for this project. So, uh, people again can go to theconsciousagora.com for more information. And there is a, a fundraiser project at fundraiserrazr.com uh, um, that again I will link up uh, for people to contribute to the project. And there are a number of different um, rewards and things that people can get for different contributions, uh, not to become a part of the eco-village, which at this point is restricted to the founding members. But as the Holistic Education Center comes together and they start doing the retreats and workshops and permaculture courses and all of that, people will be able to come and join uh, in person and start learning hands-on at that eco-village. And of course, just the idea of the eco-village in general. So again, people can go and check out that fundraiser.com if they're interested in uh, supporting this effort. But before you support this effort, maybe you want to hear from someone. So I recently had the chance to talk to Miriam Gomez, uh, again, Derek Bros's partner, who you will be familiar with because we talked to her as part of the Activation Tour interview that I did on Solutions Watch back in 2021. And, uh, and so uh, Miriam and Derek and the others have started the process, gotten the ball rolling, and it has been quite a process. As, again, you may or may not have known a few years ago, Derek put out the call for people who were interested in this idea, and he received 400 responses, obviously too many for, uh, for this project, uh, at least the, the start of this project. So uh, through a years-long process, they have whittled that down to the eight founding members, and they are going to start creating this community um, now. And so I talked to Miriam about this process, what the Conscious Agora is, how it is going to function, what it will contain, how people can get involved in it, and what we can expect from it in the future.
2: So the Conscious Agora is based off of the three main principles, which is um, individual liberty, permaculture principles, and mindfulness. So um, Derek outlined this in the Manifesto of the Free Humans. And um, we aim, we have our set of principles and we have our, our set of goals. And our goals are to create a a roadmap for creating a conscious community that is aligned with these principles, that that has successfully um, made it happen, and create that roadmap to share with the whole world pretty much for them to have, for other people to have this as as something to go off of to create a community for themselves. our vision, our, our greatest goal is to create a network of conscious agoras, call it whatever you want, but really is to create a network of um, free communities that are working together here in Mexico, in the U.S., all around the world, and creating that free world in, in that way.
0: That's an awesome idea, and I certainly hope that it can spark that, that brush fire in the minds of men and women all around the world to start emulating this. Um, Tell us about the holistic education center aspect of this. What kind of things do you uh, envision people teaching and learning um, on your property?
2: Yeah, so Derek and I, whenever 2020 hit, um, like I said, we just kind of rushed into all the different plans and ideas and um, things that we've been dreaming of and we just didn't make the time for and now we are. Um, So one of those things was permaculture, learning about permaculture and growing and living sustainably or more harmoniously with all life around us. So one of those things that is going to be taught at the Holistic Education Center at the Conscious Agora is going to be permaculture um, by us. And then also, too, we have a, an amazing amount of contacts of professionals out there that are teaching permaculture and all these different things that we're going to be welcoming to. So that's going to be permaculture design, um, sovereignty tactics and classes, Um natural building is going to be a big part of it that's going to be from the very beginning we're going to be teaching um, natural building on the property Um, we're going to be doing retreats for um, meditation and yoga because a big part of this is mindfulness and how we relate to ourselves how we relate to each other and um, so the spiritual aspect is a big part of the conscious agora as well so we want to create that space for um, for spiritual retreats as well Um, we're going to be talking about sociocracy training Um, Extraocular vision. If you don't know about extraocular vision, I highly recommend checking it out. (laughs) Um, uh, Community organizing, obviously, is gonna be a big part of it as well. Um, Teaching about how to make this uh, happen. for yourself and for the community that you're planning on building and primal skills. And then of course we got to enjoy ourselves. So there's going to be like music festivals and just different gatherings of all sorts, but also to, um, a big focus too is going to be decentralized technologies and alternative financial, um, uh, s- tools as well. So all it's holistic. So it's encompassing all the different areas of life that we can opt out of the technocratic state and, um, and gain the tools to, to do that for our, our families and for our communities back at home.
0: Right. So um, there will be the core group of founding members who will be presumably living in this Conscious Agora community, but there mm-hmm. will be a lot of people sort of coming through for workshops and that sort of thing. What, how big is this property? How many people do you envision there?
2: Yeah. So like you said, there's a eco-village of the six households and then the property itself is about nine hectares right now. Right now. I say right now because we do have the opportunity to grow physically, like, you know, buy more land around there as well. Um, So right now um, we do have the eco-village pretty much closed off to the founding members. Um But, in the future, we will consider opening it up to to grow the eco village. But for right now, it just kind of works out for us to be as efficient as possible to make this happen. Um, but we plan on welcoming, I believe, like around twenty to forty to sixty as we grow in in our um, in our systems on the land, we will be able to host a lot more people, but around twenty to fifty people to begin with.
0: Awesome stuff. Uh, tell people how they can find out more information and um, how they can support this idea and bring it to fruition.
2: Yeah, thank you, James. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. So you can find us at theconsciousagora.com. You'll find a video that will tell you this beautiful video that our um, our community member Ethan put together um, that will tell you a little bit more about who we are, what we're planning, where we're at, and Also, at theconsciousagora.com, you will find um, the link to the crowdfunding campaign, as well as our emails so that you can reach out to us if you have any questions, if you want to partner up in a different way. Um, Right now, we are looking for funding um, to buy the land. But in the future, in the near future, uh, we will let people know when. Um, We are going to be open to hosting teachers, to hosting volunteers, to having work trade and all those different um, opportunities. So um, there will be a subscribe link on there as well so that you can stay in touch with or updated with all the different um, notifications and updates and just our, our process and where we're at and just how things are going so that you know when is the right time for you to reach out and get involved.
0: Awesome. Miriam, uh, thank you for uh, letting us know about this. I'm looking forward to seeing how this project develops. So uh, thank you for your time.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Miriam Gomez of the Conscious Agora Eco-Village. Again, you can find out more details about that particular project at theconsciousagora.com. And what I always love about Derek Rose's many projects is that he's always encouraging other people to go out there and do it themselves and recreate this. Hey, we're doing this, and you can learn from our successes and failures and what we're doing, and you can... Do it the way you like, uh, because again, of course, not everyone is going to be on board with the vision statement of the conscious agora and are going to have their own ideas. Maybe you want to create I uh, I don't want that yoga spirituality stuff. I want to create a conscious, intentional community around... Batman and racing cars, (laughs) whatever it is. (laughs) The point is the process. And how do you do this? And how do you go from that idea to actually building out the foundations and creating something in the real world? As I say, it is not going to be easy. It is likely going to end in failure more often than not. But it has to be done. And at any rate... People, of course, again, if you can be the lone wolf who can go out and live in the wilderness completely by yourself and totally self-sustaining, great, awesome. You don't need anybody. You don't want anybody. That's fine. But for people who do want community, I think it is time to start thinking about community and how they can come together. It doesn't have to be some grand project of buying land and going and moving to some, everyone moves to some location. That's obviously life-changing sort of stuff. But it can start as something like an Ozarks Neighborly Exchange, just a group of people who by happenstance, live in the same area who agree to come together and help each other in various circumstances. Again, there's lots of different ways that this can be done, and a lot of it is in, in, uh, uh, embodied in that book of creating a life together, um, which, again, I think people who are interested in the subject should check out. But you might say, James, maybe you're putting the cart before the horse with regards to building community. Because yes, of course, building a community, coming together, finding the eight people or however many people who can fo- fa- become founding members of an intentional community, great. But yeah, how? what about just meeting like-minded people? Meeting people who want to do anything along these lines, let alone share a vision statement and things like that. And yes, that is a tough nut to crack and one that, trust me, I hear from in the people in the audience all the time. I don't know anybody in my real life who even agrees with me on any of this stuff. They all think I'm crazy. Whatever. I hear that a lot. So I know that uh, the first step towards building community is to meet like-minded people. Um, And I know that there are people who have very many problems with that. Even when you do meet like-minded people, actually getting them into community, real community, not just a talking shop, but actually, okay, let's do something in the real world can be another incredible Hurdle. And on that very note, I just got an email in just last week from A in Scotland, who writes, In late 2020, we met up with a group of people who called themselves the resistance movement. That meeting didn't go too well, as the group was too big, with a lot of big egos clashing. Eventually, we met with some members of the group on an individual basis and started to connect with them. Despite meeting with these people on numerous occasions and having lengthy conversations about all the stuff happening... Every time we spoke about the need to detach from the system and the concept of freedom cells, they would make excuses as to why they weren't able to make changes. My partner and myself are the only only ones in our group who have dug up our garden and have started growing our own food. It does not matter how we have worded the reasons as to why we are growing our own food and trying to find various other ways to gradually detach. Our acquaintances are simply not interested in joining in. A short while ago, we watched Derek Bros, and he talks about the traps you could fall into, and I agree. What I have noticed with a lot of people who say they are awake is they seem to go down rabbit holes, the amount of discussions we seem to have on whether the earth is flat or vaccine damage. The second trap is Christianity. While I have no problem with people being religious, it does seem to be holding them back from taking action. I believe it is underestimated how one's psychology prevents people from making a meaningful change. People fear having to, uh, having to have a look in the mirror and have that inner dialogue because of what they might discover. This is, from my point of view, the reason nothing will ever change. That said, though, I will continue to do whatever I can to make changes in my own life. And maybe one day we will meet people who understand why we do what we do and finally get the, that community going. All right, a, I, I wish you absolutely the best of luck. And uh, I know, again, this is not an easy thing, for a lot of people who uh, find themselves in a similar situation. Even if you do find people who agree on the big issues, well, how about actually doing something about those issues? That's a whole other ballgame, as it were. So, absolutely, this is not uncommon feedback, and I appreciate a sending that in. So, uh, on that very note, yes, you better believe Solutions Watch will be covering that particular question. How do you meet like-minded people. I I have covered that in the past, but I think it deserves another look because again, there's a lot of things to think about when it comes to that very, very big question and a very important one, the basis of building community, right? But having said all of that, so I will invite your, uh, please, uh, Corporate Report members, please leave your comments in the comment section at corporatereport.com. If you know of any ways, platforms, ideas, organizations for meeting people and that you think, will be a great way for people to come together and connect on issues that can then springboard into a community. Um, If you know any, please do leave them in the comment section, and I will be following up on that in a future Solutions Watch, as I say. But having said that, I think, again, the point of today's uh, Solutions Watch is this idea of bringing the wonderful idea of let's all come together into reality. Yes, have that wonderful idea. Have your vision Uh, actually write it out so you know exactly what it is you are looking for, what you are willing to compromise on, what you are not willing to compromise on. Make it as detailed as possible so that then you can present that as a a plan towards people and see who is on board and then start that very, very lengthy process. And as I say, creating a life together is a good manual for at least browsing through to see what it takes to really make that into reality. But having said all of that, let's let's leave things back in the castles in the air, th- talking about the idea of community, why it is so important, and why we do need to be thinking about this. So I'm going to end this edition of Solutions Watch in the same way that I ended episode 146 of the podcast. Again, link in the show notes. I hope you'll check it out. But this is a, a clip from uh, Freeman Fly's uh, Free Zone uh, podcast radio show that he was doing. Uh, this was from 2010, where I think he makes a pretty important point about the nature of community and why it is important to come together. Having said that, this is Solutions Watch. I thank you for joining me for this edition. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com and I'll be back with more news and information in the very near future. So when we begin to look around and
3: we start to see right there in our storefronts all over the the fashion of today, what we see is a post-apocalyptic world we see clothing that looks already battered and deranged that has been through hell and back and is now being worn by someone who's seeking some sort of sanctuary. We see it in the bold haircuts, and the closed minds, the idea that they're staring at their feet as they walk towards the robotic path on their life to life, which doesn't exist. There is no place like home. It's been stripped away. The mother's been taken away and put off to work and the people that were left in the next generation had no sense of the love of nurture. We don't cater to plants, to life, to anything around us. We barely make our houses livable, much less put in the nurturing love necessary to make it beautiful. And when you look around at your world and you see that what is put out before us in city streets and uh, in towns even, that they have no beauty, that there is no art, there is no love, there's nothing engendered or nurtured in the whole situation. And this is where people come along with their graffiti and try to put their egos upon it. If that street were beauty, if, if the works were art, no one feels the need to go and plaster something upon it. As a matter of fact, they feel opposed to the idea and they're led to catering and nurturing to that beauty but this beauty has been stripped away it's been taken with the mother and the mother was taken from our homes and now we all live in this existence that we believe we're running on a treadmill looking out to the future saying well maybe one day i'll win the lottery then i could have a beautiful home maybe one day i'll figure out what it is that i am and i'll be able to have a job that pays me the way i deserve to be paid And the whole time as we're standing there waiting for that one day to come forward for us, meanwhile, everything around us falls into disrepair. And because we feel transient, because no one actually owns the properties that they live upon, then they feel no need to nurture or cater to that property and make it a better place than it began. The houses, the buildings, the storefronts fall in disrepair as no one will apply their own loving, creative powers to it because it's not theirs. And it's this mindset of transient, of feeling that nothing is yours, that needs to be taken care of right in your own personal being. There's no thought game out there. There's no construct that you're trying to design in your head that's going to bring it about. No Venus project that's going to bring you solutions. It's right there with you. Now, (laughs) I don't know if any of you have sat out there and watched Clean House. (laughs) One of my favorite shows, really, as we watch these people in their turmoil and their despair and their distress, and they realize as these psychologists, <laughs> is what you can really call them, the clean house crew, come in and clean out all of their negative karma, all of the things that have been surrounding them covered in dust, things that they've never touched in their lives, and they remove all of that from their worlds and put them and transport them into a clean world. But the, tru- the trick of the whole show is actually that it's a psychological difference, because otherwise you're just going to dirty the house again. And you have to work through your own inner struggle, your own sacrifices, and finding the surrender necessary to uh, apply yourself to the real world, the third dimension, that one that's right in front of you. How many of you sit there on your computers listening to people talk about intellectual methods of saving the world while your dishes are piling up and your toilet needs to be plunged? Uh, things of the third dimension are, are looting us because we don't even feel that we're a part of this world. And on top of that, we're built with the guilt. We're filled with all of this... Anger that has been generated through things like the BP oil spill or just nuclear bombs. The very fact that humanity has this destructive capabilities is all placed on your shoulders as if it were you. Because it's the mentality that we craft before the event happens that actually manifests as reality. So as long as we sit back, cowering in our houses, going, which one's the agent? Who's listening to me? How can I speak my truth if I feel like I'm going to be arrested? And we stand in this place where we know they're coming to get us. That's what we will get. The very fear that we feel, the very sense that we have, no place like home, is the very thing that's going to bring the fact that you will have no home. So it's time to stand up. It's time to feel sovereign. It's time to feel that you are yourself and that you are okay and that you belong on planet Earth. And then it's time to take this land that you have, even though that you don't own it, and it's time to dig up and start to plant some gardens, because this is the one method and the only method that's going to allow the survival through the mentality change. Because that's what we're going through. It's a mental change. And our universe is mental. Everything that comes from our minds is then transported into reality. And it's this very method that the Brotherhood have used to keep dominance over the inhabitants of planet Earth. By building massive pyramids, by building colossi of Memnon, by building large banks, by building city structures, and even the very languages used, they have crafted and controlled reality. Now we believe it's true.